the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. This is the uh, bloody uh, crossroads where culture and policy intersect, and it is a delight to welcome into the studio a privilege. I have seen this gentleman uh, in person and speak before. It is, as I say, a privilege and honor to have him in studio with us. He is Mark Burmich, B-U-R-M-I-C-H. He is the president and CEO at Choices Pregnancy Centers here in the Valley of the Sun. You just heard our general manager, Jim Ryan, doing a read for them. I thought it was uh, a good time to bring Mark in to talk about what choices are, what choices is, depending on how you frame the discussion of of choices, and uh, say, welcome, Mark. Thank you for doing what you're doing, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate it. I always do this with a first-time guest. Uh, Give the audience a little bit of an autobiography, however you want to cast and pitch it, uh, how you grew up and how you came to be doing what you're doing, and ultimately what choices pregnancy centers are. Absolutely. So Arizona native, born and raised. Um, Fun story. I actually went to preschool with my wife. um, And uh, it wasn't until after high school that we actually started dating. It took that long. But uh, I finally uh, convinced her to say yes. So we've been married now for 22 years. We have two daughters, um, almost 16, getting ready to start driving, and uh, almost 14 years old. My professional background, um, I developed um, early on the ability to do art really well, which, you know, back in the late 90s, mid-90s was in kind of parlaying into the internet, which led to web development work, which parlayed into, hey, you know, if you, you know, combine this with marketing, you can actually impact companies' revenues. So that put me on a path to be in marketing for about 20 years in different capacities. Uh, Over that time, I've worked with about 25 different companies, nine different verticals, um, national uh, domestic and international. I've been a chief marketing officer, a chief creative officer, and now a chief executive officer. Um, most recently, before I joined Choices Pregnancy Centers, I was doing consultancy work here in Arizona, specifically for startups in the healthcare space, which really um, gave me a front row seat on how to build pitch decks for venture capital, venture capital funding, which is a whole world in and of itself. Yeah. Um, And about um, mid-2015, I was asked to join the Choices Board of Directors. Um, And I knew of the organization, uh, was not really intimately involved at the time, but the then um, board chairman um, had run into me and had known that I had wanted to do some work and had done done a little work with nonprofits. And he said, hey, um, and we knew each other. He said, hey, we're looking to get some younger talent on the board. Um, specifically individuals with your skill set, would you be interested in joining? And I said, absolutely, I would love to. And so I was on the board uh, starting in 2015. And then um, the president at the time said, you know what, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. And one day over lunch at 19th Avenue and Camelback Road, he said, God is telling me you're the person to take over. Mm-hmm. I said, I love you, but you're crazy. That's no <laughs> way that's happening. <laughs> was not even on my radar. And long story short, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll come back at the next board meeting, and um, if you present it, I will tell the board, here's what I think. He did, and here we are. I've been the CEO for almost four years now. Tell the audience a little bit about what Choices is. 
So Choices is formerly Crisis Pregnancy Centers of Greater Phoenix. We were founded in 1983. We are Arizona's largest and longest-running pro-life pregnancy resource group. We have four locations around the valley in Glendale, Phoenix, Mesa, and in North Phoenix. We offer free services, free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds, options counseling. We have parenting classes. We have post-abortive recovery care. And each of our centers is equipped with baby boutiques where our clients can come in and get free, brand-new items, everything from diapers, wipes, all the way to car seats and cribs. When people hear the name Choices or uh, its 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 former name Crisis Pregnancy Centers, it's it's something that has become oddly a, a political football. Mm. Uh, I remember last year um, after the Roe versus Wade decision went down in the Supreme Court, there seemed to be this odd campaign to shut down what would be known as crisis pregnancy centers or places like Choices. Elizabeth Warren gave several interviews that you needed to disappear. You need not exist. Why, 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 would, why would you be controversial? What you just spoke about sounds to me like angelic work. It's a great question. Um, you know, unfortunately, so much of it, so much of it seems to be along a party line issue, but not always. Um, we, like you said, we view ourselves as frontline uh, workers, um, tending to the needs of the individuals coming in. Um, I don't know why it is such a controversial issue, but it certainly is. And it's reached an inflammatory fever pitch over the past few years where, as you just said, individuals like Elizabeth Warren are literally calling for us to be censored. And they don't want down. you to exist. They don't. And it's, it's, it's creeped all the way up to big tech. I mean, Google even has come out and forced us now to put um, a label on our search results that come up that says does not provide abortions. No and, kidding. Yeah. And if you actually search for our services, we no longer show up on the map option. You have to go up to the top of the browser, click a little button that says show all locations and providers that don't provide abortions, and then we show up. And that's that's had a significant impact on our traffic. I would imagine. Um, that is an, that's an interesting thing. So almost as if the controlled playing field has to be in support of abortion policy at any time, at any, at any time. Time in the length, at the state of the pregnancy, but at any place in America, whether it's social media or on the ground physically, that's that's a, that's so odd to me. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You know, this used to be a country that not so long ago grew up with the notion that abortion, at least to the leading Democrat at the time, should be safe, rare, and legal. Mm-hmm. And we've moved to a point where at the State of the Union, I actually saw senators walking into the joint session of Congress with lapel pins that said, I heart abortion. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is quite a movement. It really has a shift. I should. It say. really has been, and, and we've seen it. We've seen it politically. We've seen it culturally. Um, just this polarization on the movement itself. To to your point, we've gone from rare and safe all the way to individuals, you know, marching in D.C. saying, "I celebrate my abortion." Um, actually taking the abortion pill during a D.C. march, we right. see that all the time. What's really interesting is you can take all of this crazy nonsensical rhetoric and really distill it down to a reality, though. And that is when we're sitting with a client in one of our rooms, they've had an ultrasound, they found out they're pregnant. That's really where the rubber meets the road. And we're just there to have an honest conversation with them. No judgment. Here's what's happening. Here's your options. We want to help you in any way that we can. Do you give advice on adoption op- Absolutely. options and adoption Absolutely. We've actually yeah. seen an uptick in adoptions. What's interesting, uh, most pregnancy resource centers might see one, two adoptions a year. Yeah. And that's really what we've, what we've seen. Uh, we had two last year, which was an uptick from the year before. We are seeing a little bit more interest in that. And we're, we have relationships with several adoption agencies. That's a really interesting subject to broach with, with a mother. 
What age range do you mostly see? What is the plurality of the age range you see? That is a wide spectrum. Okay. Um, it to depends example, on location, too. It I depends imagine. on location. I will tell you that we had a 15-year-old girl in our center at 19th Avenue and Camelback Road just last week, and then we have individuals coming in in their late 30s mm-hmm. who come in. But it's in between those two numbers in the mid-20s that usually is the, the number that we see. And what uh, what you you have just built a new center, a new choices center. Where where is this located? This is it's interesting because you chose a location deliberately, um, shall we say, useful. I would absolutely. Think. So the new location we're calling the North Phoenix location. It's at 40th Street and Bell Road. Mm-hmm. It's um, a stone's throw from the 101. It's a stone's throw from uh, PV High School, two miles from PV Community College, and I th- I want to say within about a 10 mile radius, there's at least five high schools. We as a station here at 960 like to partner with different uh, nonprofit organizations in town from time to time, and we are doing so now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and as you obviously well know, but uh, Jim Ryan, our general manager, gave a, gave a, a promotional um, push on that just before the top of the hour here. And I want people to know that we're trying to raise $25,000 for you, uh, which shouldn't be a heavy lift. And people can go to 960 The Patriot uh, to get more information about it and how to do it. If you own, by the way, let me just say, if you own a business um, in Phoenix and want to be part, want to partake in what we call our business benefactor program and make a uh, sizable donation, Jim Ryan will give you an equal amount back in advertising back in advertising for your business on this station. So you can check all that out at 960thepatriot.com. Mark, were you always pro-life? Always have been, yes. But it's interesting, right? Since joining the organization, even at board level, you've always been pro-life, but you're never faced with that moment of where you have to really make a decision on that or have make a stance on that. Mm-hmm. And that has certainly drastically changed over the past four years. I imagine it has made you stronger once you see the success of what you can accomplish with this organization. Nothing comes close to it. The stories that we see on a daily basis, they're humbling and they are life transforming. Uh, Folks, again, 960thepatriot.com to help out choices, particularly with their uh, new center up in, uh, what is it, uh, Bell and 40th? Bell and 40th. Bell and 40th. You can also check them out online at choicesaz.com, choicesaz.com. When we come back, Let's talk about that word choice. I'm glad you're reclaiming it in the culture. Um, choices is, is it's a smart thing because I think a lot of women didn't realize with the dominance of Planned Parenthood and the dominance of the cultural messaging that there is another choice. And you can be pro-choice and actually pro-life. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Mark Burmich. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have the president and CEO of Choices Pregnancy Center with us. This stat is just incredible what you've been able to accomplish. Seven out of 750 women that were leaning towards abortion after visiting one of your senators, one of your centers, Mark, 308 changed their mind. That's almost a 50 percent success rate and life giving rate, isn't it? You it must really be very is. Proud it's, of it's, that. A, it's a testament to our frontline staff. I want to talk to you about the name of your organization, Choices Pregnancy Centers, uh, choicesaz.com being your website. People uh, hear the phrase pro-choice, they think pro-abortion. 
you have decided and your organization has decided to say that, you know what, life is a choice. Mm. Talk to us about the name. Absolutely. We were formerly Crisis Pregnancy Centers of Greater Phoenix. About five years ago, the board of directors and the then president decided that, um, really based on feedback from clients, we didn't really want to associate an unplanned pregnancy with crisis. It shouldn't be. And so that was the the impetus for wanting to change two choices. But really, in a larger spectrum, it's we want to actually provide real information so that this woman can make an informed decision. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it is her choice to make. We don't want we're not here to coerce. We're here to provide information, support, care and resources. But it's her decision to make. And oftentimes, if she goes someplace else, like an abortion provider, we hear routinely from our clients who visit them first. There is no choice. There's only one option. And it's coercion. That's that's the interesting thing is when you hear advocates for pro-abortion policies, they talk about them being the ones they try and take the mantle unto themselves as being the ones that stand for female empowerment. That's exactly the opposite as well, isn't it? It really is. And really, it's so condescending to women to tell them that their their only level of empowerment or defining empowerment is if you're choosing abortion. Right. I mean, how, how condescending is that? Right. Women should be and can be and are able to raise that child, have that child, and there should be a community to come around them to support them. And we try to help kickstart that process. The kindness and decency that you are hearing from Mark Burmich is what permeates this uh, organization. I was uh, privileged to be at an event where you and I think one of your uh, one of your partners was giving a presentation. I was blown away not only by the compassion within the audience, but for the, the the compassion from which you were giving the presentation. So, folks, if you want to help women have a choice other than abortion, we at 960 The Patriot are trying to help them raise funds. You can go to 960thepatriot.com to help out. And if you do own a business and can make a larger donation, Jim Ryan, our general manager, will give you an equal amount back in advertising on this station. What do you say to some of the typical arguments that you have heard, Mark, over the years? Um, I'd be curious to hear it from your perspective. The arguments aren't new. Maybe some of the answers are new. What do you, what, when, when, when someone comes to you, are they most concerned about economics? Are they most concerned about uh, reputation? What are, the, what are the chief concerns and what, what do you counsel? The, the chief concern that we hear, and again, keeping in mind, understanding where our centers are located, some of these vary, but oftentimes it is economic, right? It's understanding I've got this happening in my life right now. There's no way that I can, quote unquote, afford this new child coming into the world. What is this going to look like? To give an example, one of the tactics that Planned Parenthood themselves have used is sitting a woman down and telling her, do you realize this child is going to cost a million dollars? over the next 18 years, and basically scare them to death. Um, but in addition to the economic side of things, it is, it's also reputation. You know, we meet a lot of individuals who are afraid to tell their parents. They're afraid for people to find out, especially our clients that skew younger, that are still in school. This is going to mess up, quote, unquote, their career. They're not going to be able to finish school, get the job they want. And at the end of the day, you can pick any one of these that you want. If we can put them on a path to have the resources around them, which can come from what we call our network of care, which are individuals and groups that we partner with, a lot of these are very easily answered. Not all of them, not all the time, but it really comes down to the community itself. Is there a community that can support them? You are someone who has worked in the business fields until and until you got into the nonprofit work with choices and uh, vast experience um having grown up here as well 
one of the interesting things I'd like to ask you about is what you think this culture of abortion has done to society at large. A quote I often like to bring up when I give talks on this, and this is a quote. What happens to the mind of a person in the moral fabric of a nation that accepts the aborting of the life of a baby without a pang of conscience? What kind of society will we have where life can be taken so casually? The answer to that question will leave us with the question of whether we have hell right here on earth. Close quote. Jesse Jackson, 1977. Mm -hmm. To me, obviously, given the, the line of work that I'm in and seeing what we call frontline impact, right? These are individuals coming to us um, really in their most desperate hour is this is the seminal issue of our time, in my opinion. You know, how we treat the most vulnerable as a society, as a culture speaks volumes. And it's really, as you just said in that quote, there's a trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've seen happen locally is no different than what I've seen nationally, quite, quite honestly. Um, life is cheap now. Life is uh, an afterthought. It can be just a consequence of a fun night, um, easily done away with now with the abortion pill. Um, it's become almost this consumerized product that you can order something in the mail and take care of it. No big deal. No one has to know. And it's, quote, safe and effective. It's simply cheapened life, and it's gone mainstream. You know, we have individuals, like we were talking about earlier, shouting their abortion, celebrating their abortion, yeah. and it's become so mainstream. It's to where even young kids that I talk to that are in junior high and in elementary school, they're fully aware of it, and they're even having these questions. Are, uh, are you able to operate in the public schools, by the way? Uh, we used to be able to very openly, but we have since lost a lot of those relationships. Yeah. Um, and we are actually, funny you mentioned that, actively trying to get back into, especially with our, our 40th Street and Bell Road location, back into the school systems. But a lot of it is done through health fairs and that sort of thing. Someone uh, contributes, in the last minute or two we have left, someone contributes to this campaign we are proudly joining you on. What will their money be going to? Yeah. So we're launching this new center at 40th Street and Bell Road. Uh, We already have a brand new, beautiful ultrasound machine there. We're going to have, again, full services, pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, options counseling, a boutique. What the money is going to go to is actually opening the doors, getting the staff in there, getting the supplies in there. Our goal in the first year is to see 2,000 clients come through that door. And an even bigger scope of that, the money goes to the overall mission there, which is to get back into the schools and get into the neighborhoods and let people know they have a choice and save vulnerable lives. Yes. Well, I just think what you guys do is uh, is quasi-angelic, if not fully angelic. And so I want to thank you for partnering with us. It's an honor for us to partner with you. Again, folks, you want to learn more about them, choicesaz.com, or simply go to our website at 960thepatriot.com. Any donation you can make will help. And again, with our business benefactor program, if you do own a business in Arizona and can make a larger donation, our general manager will We'll give you back in advertising on our station an equal amount of airtime to talk about your business. Mark Burmich, may your strength uh, continue to grow and may it continue on its just path. Thank you for being with us, sir. Thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. In a State of the Union speech last month, Joe Biden doubled down on his spending plans and did so again with the release of his budget, adding even more to the federal deficit. And that does not bode well for the value of your money. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be 
No meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth less, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold that with the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, I and thousands of you already know. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the ravages of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Don't let Joe Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. I had uh, mentioned last week, with all our talk about various crises we're dealing with, that um, the connection that is becoming ever more evident between social media as if we didn't have enough problems with it and mental illness, mental health deficits, the connection that is becoming ever more evident. There's a piece in the Financial Times today showing the rapid increase from, and you can see it on the graphs they they print, the rapid and dramatic increase of combined depressive symptoms, um, those who disagree with it feeling good to be alive, those who agree that their life is not very useful, those who disagree that they enjoy life as much as anyone else, those who agree that they can't do anything right, those that agree that the future seems hopeless, those that agree life seems meaningless, all taken from surveys of American teens. You can see those numbers in those graphs fairly steady until about 2010 and then rising dramatically between 2010 and 2020, just when such things as uh, smartphones and social media went from luxury to ubiquity, as this author puts it. The theory that having social media and other digital delights within arm's reach 24-7, this author writes, may be having a harmful effect on mental health, and not only may it, the theory is not new, but it is not fully accepted. Um, the lead experts on this, a professor at uh, San Diego State University and uh, Jonathan Haidt at Columbia, has been criticized for simply surfing the wave of popular opposition to big tech. Yet, as evidence for their arguments mount, Many are now wondering why it has taken us so long to accept what is so obviously right in front of us. The signs are everywhere. First, digital socializing has displaced in-person gatherings. The share of U.S. teens who meet up in person with friends less than once a month stood at about 3% in 2010, but reached 10% by 2019. Meanwhile, the share who say they are constantly online has now reached nearly 50% of teens. Some will counter that it can't just be the apps that are crowding out real life. After all, the people who are busiest on Instagram are often the busiest in the real world, too. But that misses a key dynamic. These trends operate at the generational level, not the individual level. As screen time has surged, everyone hangs out less. 
But the individual level dynamics are, in fact, striking as well. Studies show that the more time teens spend on social media, the worse their mental health is. And that gradient is the steepest for young girls who also spend much more time on social media than boys, which helps explain the sharper deterioration among girls' mental health over those of boys. There's an interesting political aspect to this as well that Jonathan Haidt and a few others have identified. And I want to talk about that with you when we come back from the break. This is um, something that I fear people are going to be identified as crazy or um, exceptional for talking about and bringing up right now uh, or bringing up at all. But I think in the back of our heads, in the back of everyone's heads, they're hearing these kinds of conversations when they do hear them and saying, yeah, I think you guys are on to something. I think you guys are on to something. If you want to understand the madness, by the way, of school closures in the midst of a teen mental health crisis, think about what it meant to exacerbate it by giving the kids what? More screen time. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Many of you have been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what investing with them can mean for you, they would like it. For, they would love it if you would give them a call at eight 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 Y refi thirty four, and they'll happily put you in touch with any number of their satisfied clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have happily been investing with them. They'd like me also to ask you how your IRA is doing, and if you'd like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the Fed or the stock market, you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Invest Yrefy.com. That's the word. Invest the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. I was talking about some of the work at Jonathan Haidt. I think I said he's at Columbia. He's at NYU. Sorry about that, NYU. Jonathan Haidt and Maddie Glessius and a few others are discovering that when we're talking about uh, the teen mental health challenges, it is interesting that they have discovered, and you will not find a lot of this Obvious, for obvious reasons, a lot of writing on this, but please do do seek their work. Jonathan Hyde is H-A-I-D-T, Jonathan H-A-I-D-T, that there is a substantial deficit of mental health. Uh, uh, yes, let me put it this way. There is a sub- substantially worse mental health outcomes, not just for teen girls over teen boys, but teen girls on the liberal end of the political spectrum. Again, some of this may be a little bit common, a little bit more commonsensical when you step back and think about the catastrophizing we have put our children through when what they get on social media is such messaging as you, the earth only has three to five to six to nine to 12 years, depending on the day, depending on the speaker before it disappears, when you are constantly given the message that the government um, that you did not vote for but you live under is run by fascist white supremacists, when you are constantly bombarded with messages that this is a systemically 
racist country. When you are constantly bombarded with messaging that imparts to you that this is the end of the world as we know it, or the end is so very near, then, of course, it is hard to be optimistic about that unless you are somehow deprioritized in your mental thinking in the first place. And this is increasingly becoming evident to social scientists who dare look at this. So something Jonathan Haidt has proposed is a series of reforms that parents may want to think about. Some can be done perhaps with the law, Uh, but others are going to have to be done at the individual and social levels. One, universities and other schools should stop performing reverse cognitive behavioral behavioral therapy on their students. Most of the programs put in place after 2015 are based on one or more of three great untruths, and these programs have been imported into many K-12 schools from mandatory diversity training to bias response teams and trigger warnings, there is little evidence that these programs do what they say they will do, and there's a lot of findings that they backfire. We have talked a lot about this over the past couple of weeks. In any case, there are reasons to worry that they're teaching children and adolescents to embrace harmful, depressinogenic cognitive distortions about the world as it truly is. One initiative that has become popular in the last few years is particularly suspect, and that's efforts to tell college students to avoid common English words and phrases that are said to be harmful. We've talked about some of this, these oppressive language lists. Um, For example, um, take a stab at something is out because it's unnecessarily violent. Um, For the same reason, schools like Brandeis urge that nobody ask for a trigger warning because, well, trigger warnings is a trigger warning because, well... Guns. Students should ask for content warnings. Did you know trigger warnings was out? Trigger warnings are now out because, obviously, guns. Uh, Content warnings instead is the order of the day to keep people safe from violent words like stab. And a lot of universities have followed suit with their own versions of harmful language lists. Stanford itself, uh, much in the news on this show particularly, has urged students to avoid words like American immigrant, and submit, as in submit your homework. Why? Because the word submit can imply allowing others to have power over you. The irony here is that it may be these very programs that are causing liberal students to feel disempowered, as if they are floating in a sea of harmful words and people, when in reality they are living in some of the most welcoming and safe environments ever created. There is another element to this which is the anxiety and frenzy you have to put yourself through to make sure you're saying the thing the right way, using language the right way, rather than unfettered you know, uh, use of this vastly complicated and vastly beautiful music called the English language. A lot of us love the use of words. A lot of us, particularly in the conservative movement, love the use of language used appropriately. That is its own form of art. We are destroying that art by destroying this language and running teens through a sifter in a mill for them to have to to have to take themselves through and put themselves through, lest they say something totally anodyne that will get them ultimately in trouble for crossing some kind of artificial boundary set up by some learned ignoramus 
in the first place. Another reform to think about is the U.S. Congress should raise the age of Internet adulthood from 13 to perhaps 16 or even 18. What do you think should be the minimum age at which children can sign a legally binding contract to give away their data? and their rights and expose themselves to harmful content without the consent or knowledge of their parents. Uh, 18 seems to be the answer that gets the most response as the right age. Um, And, of course, we can talk and think about that. I've long believed that 18 might even be too young for certain things that we used to think it was age appropriate for. I'm for at this point, understanding the notion that we have stunted a lot of our young adults and that 18 isn't what it used to be. Um, We have now, I think, a lot of very, very, very seriously arrested arrested development people who are in the adulthood category. And if you can delay and delay and delay, maybe we need to start thinking about that. People will often say to me things like, well, you know, um, if uh, the age to serve in the military is uh, 18 or the age to uh, vote is 18, why should the age to drink be 21? To me, looking at the world I live in, I'm thinking the 18s need to become the 21, not the 21 reduced down to 18. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show and our ongoing identification of um, successes of the uh, newly minted, uh, newly empowered Republican Congress. Uh, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer announced um, today that after two months of stonewalling, this according to Elizabeth Stauffer, the Treasury Department has agreed to allow lawmakers to view approximately 150 suspicious activity reports related to, quote, unusual foreign or high dollar transactions, close quote, made by Hunter Biden, his uncle James Biden and their associates. Before I read the story, uh, uh, excuse me, before I read the statement by James Comer, I just want people to think about how important the issue of corruption is. Uh, You know, if if you have if you have a memory that goes back a little bit more than a year, you will recall that the slightest I was going to say whip, but really the slightest sniff of impropriety or corruption when it came to the Bush family or the Cheneys and the aughts or when it came to anyone. Uh, whose last name was Trump, it was front page after front page, hundreds of front page articles and speculations in the New York Times and the Washington Post with all kinds of editorializing about walls closing in. It is interesting to me how incurious those same reporters and journalists are with far more evidence of far more corrupting influence and influence peddling in the current administration. Let me issue you, let me give you the uh, statement James Comer issued today. After two months of dragging their feet, the Treasury Department is finally providing us with access to the sp- suspicious activity reports for the Biden family and their associates' business transactions. It should never have taken us threatening to hold a hearing and conduct a transcribed interview with an official under the penalty of perjury for Treasury to finally accommodate part of our request. 
For over 20 years, Congress had access to these reports, but the Biden administration changed the rules out of the blue to restrict our ability to conduct oversight. Do you know that? According to the bank documents we've already obtained, we know one company owned by a Biden associate received a $3 million wire from a Chinese energy company two months after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. Soon after, hundreds of thousands of dollars in payouts went to members of the Biden family. We're going to continue to use bank documents and SAR, suspicious activity reports, to follow the money trail to determine the extent of the Biden family business schemes. If Joe Biden is compromised by these deals and if there is a national security threat, if Treasury tries to stonewall our investigation again, we'll continue to use tools at our disposal to compel compliance. You know what this is? This is Republicans doing the job of journalists. I'm Seth and We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.